Well, hey friends, welcome to June the 6th, and we start a new week on Enough for Today. Welcome to Monday. I hope you had a great weekend. We did at Emmanuel. And starting today, we are, Dana and I are officially starting an extended rest provided generously by our deacons and church family. And so I am pre-recording uh, to get ahead for the next several weeks. And um, I thought about taking a break from Enough for Today, but we've got a good thing going. So I just decided to bite the bullet and get ahead. Uh, so that we could continue our journey together while Dana and I are taking a break. We've been married 32 years. We've served the Lord for 32 years, and those have been 32 fast-running years in growing ministries. And so um, wise advisors and counselors in our lives and our deacons as well uh, sat down and said, we want you to take an extended rest at your 10th year, and uh, and they created a policy so that this will recur every five years or so. But they really want us to guard our sustainability, and we're thankful for that. And so um, we've lined up some wonderful guest speakers for our church family, and uh, we're going to get away together and enjoy some time to recuperate. So pray for us. If you're a part of our church, just thank you for caring about us. It's I, This is not a complaint. I love every bit of ministry, but it is nonstop, and it goes early morning to late nights. Um, and I thank God for a wife who tolerates that, to be honest with you. Um, but we love our church family together. We love serving God together, and we've loved this journey. Um, but even vacations really have been hard to disconnect. Even on vacations, there's counseling and crisis and phone calls. And, um, and so we've really been strategic about how to disconnect this particular time, and we'll be mostly away from cell phone signal and really unable to read emails and respond. So, um, so that'll be a healthy thing. Um, but anyway... We'll be back soon enough and ready to begin our uh, next 10 years together. And until then, we're going to continue through the Psalms by way of enough for today. And so I invite you to join me in Psalm 50. Uh, Psalm 50, we read yesterday this whole psalm. It's a call to worship, but it's a confrontational call to worship. Asaph, uh, by the divine providence, inspiration of God, he is writing a psalm that is uh, kind of rebuking worshipers and reminding them who we really worship and do we really want to try to fake him out do we really want to play the hypocrite uh, do we really want to um, be living a double life you know uh, dishonoring him in our lives and then bringing that that hypocritical dishonor kind of shrouding it under a, an appearance a fake worship on Sundays or, or, or whatever your worship regimen is, do we really want to, uh, to tempt God in that way? So he's driving at pure worship, sincere worship, worship that is genuinely dependent upon the Lord and um, genuinely resting and trusting in his mercy and wanting to honor him. So he begins to profile God as a righteous judge, a vindicator, and, uh, an, an executor of justice, the final authority of the whole universe. And then he confronts two kinds of people in the Psalms. Uh, verse verse 7, hear all my people. So he's talking to someone that is a believer, someone that is saved, okay? And then um, under the wicked, verse 16, he turns his attention to those that are not saved. Um, so the, the distinction of my people versus the wicked in Scripture um, it's not just an ethnic distinction uh, that, that it's the people of Israel and everybody else, okay? That's the way the Jewish people took it 
came to take it as Judaism kind of um, morphed away from God's intention. God wanted the term my people always to represent those who had a, you'll see it in this psalm, a covenant with God by sacrifice, a sacrificial blood covenant. We'll come back to that, okay? So my people are those who have placed their faith in Jesus, the blood of the everlasting covenant. That's Jesus. So my people are not good people. They're not a perfect people. They're, they're, they're simply people that realize um, a relationship with God is by faith on the basis of his mercy and grace. And that's how we relate to God through Jesus. The wicked, God's definition of the wicked is not just bad people because that would be all of us. Uh, it's not just sinful people. That would be all of us. It's people that have rejected his way of salvation, his message of atonement. They've rejected him. Um, they have forsaken faith for works or some other form of self-justification. Okay, that is, And there's a spectrum there, by the way. Somebody that is trying to be really good but just self-justifying, that's wicked in God's eyes. All the way to somebody who doesn't care at all and isn't trying at all to be good or do right. Um, so there's a spectrum. There's a range of um, someone who can be more wicked. But really, God's definition of wicked is someone who has not or who will not place faith in Jesus. So it's someone that's, that's ostracized from him, that's separated from him <clears throat> because of sin. So God's going to talk to those two groups of people. But first, Asaph is going to introduce him. So let's look at verse 1. The mighty God, even the Lord, hath spoken and called the earth from the rising of the sun unto the going down thereof. So we understand here, number one, God's identity. He's the mighty God. He's the Lord of everything. So we answer to him whether we want to or not, we will answer to him. So we understand God's identity. Secondly, we understand God's um, activity. He's spoken and he's calling the earth. Now, I, I just want to pause on that and meditate on that for a minute because, friend, what we're doing right now, we're not simply looking at devotional reading or, or ancient literature. We're letting God speak. And God throughout human history has spoken. We don't serve a God that is far removed and unreachable, unrelatable. No, we serve a God that he is mighty and he is Lord over all. But he has reached into humanity. He's reached into time and space and life on planet Earth. And he has spoken. And and to, to go further into it, into the New Testament, he has spoken by his son, the author of Hebrews said. He said, you know, God used to speak by prophets and teachers, but now in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son. So he came personally. God has broken into time and space and, uh, and he speaks and he speaks to you and he wants to speak to you today, always through his word. Friend, be careful about getting too mystical about God speaking. Now, Always subject what you think God is saying to the authority of his revealed written word. Uh, he never contradicts his word. So if he speaks to you through some uh, nudging of your own heart or soul or emotions or through some other friend or through something like this, a daily devotion or a church service or a song, or if he speaks through you even through, th through something like a dream or, uh, or an idea, um, always subject that to the authority of his word because... His primary way of speaking is his word. 
and and then a right understanding, a right appropriation of his word. So many, so many false systems and cults and false teachings have arisen out of a misappropriation of the idea that God spoke to me, okay? We have to be so careful about that. But he does want to speak to you. So the mighty God, the Lord, has spoken <clears throat> and called the earth. We see God's identity. We see God's activity. Uh, we see called the earth from the rising of the sun to the going down thereof. We see God's heart for humanity. We see the whole earth. God wants everybody. Okay. Now, this sense of this verse, like many hundreds of others, is God loves the whole world. God's message is to the whole world. It is not to just the nation of Israel. It is not to just a select elite group of elect people. Okay. No, God's heart, God's love, God's message is far reaching to the ends of the earth. And these are the words of God. And so let me encourage you to be careful about ascribing to any holy ascribing, I would say, you know, just like completely 100% devoting your heart or mind to anybody's theological framework that seems to be in contradiction with the plain sense of Scripture. And there are, <clears throat> there are theological frameworks that I would say they, 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 you know, the, the larger body of the framework is biblical, but then they bounce up against the guardrails of something that is clearly distinguished in God's word. Uh, God, the mistake that ancient Israel made was they began to think that being God's people meant being is Israelite, being a Hebrew, being Jewish. Therefore, we are God's special group of people. Um, we are the elite. We are the ones he chose. And that means by, by default, he rejects everybody else. <clears throat> my friend, that was a mistake. Excuse me. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm sorry for my congestion. That was a mistake. Why? Because God did not select them from among, uh, you know, it, like he did not, he did not, um, God is no respecter of persons. He did not simply call them his favorites, okay, to the loss of everybody else. No, he selected them to be his chosen people for a purpose. Chosen for what? Elect for what? Selected for what? Selected, elected, purposed, chosen, not to the loss of everybody else, but to the evangelization of everybody else so that the whole world will know that I am God, the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Jacob. He's the true God. Israel's job as being God's elect, God's selected, God's chosen people, was to give him to the whole earth uh, and to speak his message and to prove and validate his existence and his reality to all the peoples of the earth. Okay, so bring that forward into the New Testament era. Era, We call ourselves, Ephesians calls us elect. <clears throat> we are chosen. We are God's people by faith through Jesus. We are a peculiar people, okay? So God had a people in the Old Testament to show him to the world. God has a people in the New Testament to show him to the world. How? Why? Why are we elect? Why are we chosen? We are, yes, predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ, but we are God's people, not 
at, merely at the expense of all the others, we are God's people to show him to the others. Um, and that is right in line with the teaching of the whole Bible, <clears throat> that God calls us to be his mouth, his His preaching, his publishing, his propagation, his resources, his people to carry his message of hope to the whole world. He wants everybody to know about Jesus. He wants everybody to know about grace. He is mighty. He is Lord. He speaks and he loves and wants to save everybody. So that is enough for today. And I've taken too much extra time because I got a little bit into the weeds of, um, of how we can go off the rails a little bit, the same way ancient Israel did. So be careful, but be thoughtful today. And remember, you have been called by a mighty God to, to give someone his truth and know he wants them to be saved, just like he wants you to be saved. Hey, happy Monday. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow.